And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a terrific, long Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yeah, great show today. Uh, a ton to cover, obviously, since I was off on, on Monday. We had a ton to cover. I was joined by Drew Holden. Uh, it was the first time we've ever talked to Drew, and it was, it was a great conversation. We covered a ton of ground. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Drew, uh, guys, I need to say hi to our sponsors over at the Aetherverse. Ladies and gentlemen, you have not been reading enough books. You've basically gone through all of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney Plus, and any other ones. Anyway, you've watched way too much television uh, under quarantine these last few months. It's time to put the remote down, pick up a book, go outside. It's nice. Go lay in the hammock. Go lay on the back deck, read a book. Thank me later. Um, the Aetherverse, you guys are really going to like this one. It's a brand new libertarian-leaning uh, sci-fi novel by authors Joey DeUrso and Eugene Bryan. Um the story is more relevant than ever. Uh, it makes politics and social satire exciting and fun, mixing ideological debates with you know awesome stuff like action and violence and space battles and stuff like that. Uh, it says something for everyone, political intrigue, war stories, romance, humor. It appeals to libertarians and conservatives alike, or basically anybody who's, who's a, a free thinker, anybody who's against authoritarian governments. Uh, best of all, it is fiercely anti-social justice warrior and pulls absolutely no punches. You guys are really going to like this book. I, I'm about a third of the way through it now. You guys are really going to like it. It is terrific. Um, and also, guys, we on the right, we complain all the time about the left winning the culture war, uh, about how all the art coming out, whether it's music, film, uh, books, just about anything, is controlled by the left. Uh, the left controls all of Hollywood and elsewhere. I agree, but don't complain about it if you're not going to put your money where your mouth is. Support these guys. They are great uh, libertarian-leaning authors. Support their work. Trust me, uh, you, you won't re- you won't regret it. Check them out over at theaetherverse.com. That is theaetherverse.com, and I'll tweet out the Amazon link where you can purchase it today, uh, and I'll include both links in the show notes as well. Uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, that's Yeah, that's about it. Uh, without further ado, here is my chat with Drew Holden. All right, guys, we're here with Drew Holden. Drew, first time on the show, brother. It's good to talk to you. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. It's it's great to be here. Absolutely, man, anytime. So, look, man, we have a ton to get to today, as always. Um, I was off on Monday, so we have to start all the way back, uh, going back to last week or 75 years ago in, in news, <laughs> news cycle years. Um, <laughs> well, we got to go back to Joe Biden's appearance on the Bre- Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God last week, I believe last Friday, when Joe Biden uh, made the claim that black folks aren't really black. If they don't vote for him, <laughs> um, <It's>, look, <laughs> Drew, this wasn't a gaffe, man. This is how Democrats do view minorities by and large. And, and Biden's just the only one senile enough to say it out loud. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's old enough to remember when they could actually say these things out loud. Right. This guy right. co-wrote the, the crime bill in 94. This, right. this, is, this is this is a new territory for him. Oh, of course. Of course. And I mean, you sent me a video right before we started recording, actually, and I hadn't seen it yet, but it it literally did make me laugh out loud. He's doubling down. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's kind of, he, he said he made the comment because he he said Charlemagne was was what do you say being a wise guy or something? Yeah, he was being a wise guy. A wise guy, right? You've got you've got a, a a young black man who is asking reasonable questions to the heir apparent of the Democratic presidential nominee, who um, is again reasonable questions about why black voters should come out and support someone who has a, a long, long history. Mind you, he'd be the oldest president ever elected. He's been in office since he was like the what one of the ten youngest senators in the history of the country. He's right. got a long track record and. The interviewer is asking reasonable questions about, hey, I'm not seeing what this has got in the black community. Why should we vote for you anyway? It's a fair question. Honestly, honestly, Charlemagne is has done a better job at interviewing these Democrats than anybody in the corporate press. I mean, he he basically ended Elizabeth Warren's life. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah. he's willing to ask those sorts of questions, right? And I think one of the reasons he's such a like it's one of the reasons he's got such a wide listening base, and one of the reasons people are so interested in at least wanting to talk to him before they step in it the way Biden and before that Warren did is because he's relaying the concerns of the community that he represents. And if you like for Biden knowing that, presumably, like you would think you would have to know that to go in and 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 say exactly the wrong thing, the wrong message. Um, and say, again, the quiet part out loud in a way that's pretty jarring and stunning was, I mean, it's mind-blowing. This is just a side note, just a thought I had just now. Um, that's usually how this podcast works. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really think that Democrats are going to have a tough time uh, with the decline of the corporate press. I mean, like, obviously, Joe Rogan has the biggest show um, in the world. I mean, his his episodes average north of 15 million uh, downloads an episode. I mean, that's a Game of Thrones yeah. numbers, man. I mean, but that's it's, take, it's, it's that takes yeah. every every cable news show in primetime combined is totally. about is about eleven million. Okay, Rogan does better than that on on his it's podcast amazing. three times a week. And it's but it's like I mean, Charlemagne the God is is a leftist. Like he's a he's a Democrat. He talks openly about that. Joe Rogan's a nonpartisan guy. Imagine what Joe Rogan would have done to Joe Biden. No, exactly. My he's goodness, he'd, yeah. he'd be destroyed. And you're right because I think one of the things that that really separates these kind of guys and gals from from the institution of the media is that they're not like they're not part of that in crowd. They're not part of the guild who has to follow a certain set of spoken and unspoken rules. They can ask those tough questions. They can make even a friendly guy look like, you know, look like a jackass in a way that like George Stephanopoulos is never going to do. Right. And the, the left just hasn't these politicians on the left just haven't exercised that muscle. Right. They're not used to it. Like conservatives, if you're a conservative politician, you need to be quick on your feet. You need to be smart. You need exactly. to know how to handle these interviews. It's like the bo- they're, they're like boxers, right? Like one right. boxer that every single fight since you were fighting golden gloves when you were a 14 year old, you're fighting the best of the best. And you yep. finally you know, you finally make it to a title fight and you're ready to rock versus the guy who's been fed tomato cans his entire career. <laughs> right? Exactly. And so he's got exactly. a he's 30 and 0. He's got this this immaculate 30 and 0 record with 25 right. knockouts, but he hasn't fought anybody. As soon as he gets to a, a high profile fight, he gets floored in 10 seconds. I mean, I feel like that's exactly. going to be a lot of these democratic politicians moving forward. I think so too. I mean, conservatives, particularly the younger ones, they have the scar tissue of these battles, right? They've, yes. they've been through these trenches before. And I do think as a result of that, they go in with a mindset that says, where, like, where are the gotchas? Where can I step in it? Where can this be problematic going into these interviews? And Democrats have never had to do that before. No. And it's a tough, it's a tough exercise. It's a tough one to learn. Like one of the reasons that conservatives can go in on that mentality and still have as many gotchas as tend to fly around is it's tough. It's tough to do. It's tough to be on message all the time. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's going to be a real, a real, um, unpleasant learning experience for a lot of Democrats. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's not just Joe Biden saying the quiet part out loud. Uh, Democrats across the board are getting worse and worse at this. It is really incredible to watch. Uh, Jason Furman, a former uh, Obama White House official, said in an interview over the weekend that Democrats are very concerned, very concerned that the economy may recover. Okay, they're they're openly admitting. I mean, we we all know this is what they're thinking. We all know this is what they're saying behind closed doors. But they're openly admitting that in their minds, the worst thing that can happen is for hardworking Americans to prosper. Yeah. At a time when they've been hit harder than anything since the Great Depression. Right. I mean, it's just the I think one of the things that it shows probably more than anything is just the human disconnect. Right. Like people I I mean, as someone who lives in D.C., I hear all the time about how there's you know, you've got the Acela Quarter folks, you've got people on the coasts who are who have a certain mentality. And I've never been quite sold that that's exactly the mentality. To me, it's more this ivory tower mentality of if you and your cocktail reception buddies are all the type of people who can go and have a Zoom call and have the worst thing be, oh, no, did I put myself on mute in a way that like a lot of a lot of these folks can then they're they've lost all touch and all connection with what's actually happening outside the walls of their little tower and you're seeing it more and more every day now right i mean most of these types have never in their lifetimes been affected by an economic downturn no nor will they i mean they weren't the most insulated city exactly i mean they they weren't affected by the gas crisis in the late 70s they weren't affected by you know the Great Recession in 07, 08, They they're not yep. affected by this now. They can they all work from home. You know, so it's it, it they they're completely out of touch with the rest of America. Uh, all right, so look, you can choose which one we we tackle first. Uh, we have to we need to attack Trump a little bit, and then we have to attack Trump's enemies a little bit. Uh, they're both equally war. Look, but in all fairness, let's go after the President of the United States first because he does deserve Good. it. U- usually he doesn't, yep. but he he really does today. Um, Agreed. Trump. He's been accusing Joe Scarborough of NBC of murder on Twitter for no reason. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. That is a, that is a factual sentence you just said. That is, I mean, I don't I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card uh, for I 2020. But look, man, if Trump loses in November, it's it's going to be because he tweeted his way out of the presidency because the vast majority of Americans yeah. approve of his policies, and he's handled this pandemic about as good as a president can. Uh, he's doing a pretty good job, all things considered. Why? Why now? I mean, like, people can overlook this stuff when, uh, when the economy is booming and everybody's at work. And but come on, man, people don't need this. They do not need the president of the United States accusing some hack on television of killing someone for no reason. Yeah. What? Why? I don't get why. I, I truly don't get why. And it's you're right. If we, you know, when when the Dow, when the Dow Jones was was crushing records left and right, when you had the lowest unemployment numbers, particularly for minority communities in in decades that we had seen, that, then fine. You know what? I think a lot of people like you and I are willing to say, okay, this is annoying, but we kind of knew that this was what we were getting into in, in 2016, right? Like no one no one woke up the day after election day and be like, I wonder who Donald Trump is as a person. Like I think we kind of got that one under under control, but to be to be picking these just incredibly asinine conspiratorial fights like even if even if it was even if there's a chance it was true it would be a dumb political move right but right the fact that he is spending his time as the leader of the free world digging into a truly absurd conspiracy theory that has been debunked that is wrong and also is hurtful one of the things that i think it really resonated with me that i saw the other day is it's not just about joe scarborough right like the 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 
aide in his office was a young gal who was also married, right? And so his uh, her widower had had apparently reached out to Trump, reached out to Mika, reached out to someone to say, like, please stop digging up these incredibly hurtful memories because what you're doing is you're insinuating that my dead wife was having an affair with me and that's why she's dead. And you can't possibly understand how cruel and hurtful that is. And I remember I read that and I was like, my God, like I – a Twitter troll saying that would be painful, I think, for a normal right. human. To have right. the leader of the free world be dredging that up every day and have it dominate the news cycles is, I mean, it's its horrible. It's just these own goals from the president. His his approval rating, his daily, uh, the daily tracking poll of his approval rating, it hit a like a three-year low. It's at 42% approval right yep. now. Pretty bad. Um yeah, a lot of hardcore Trump fans, and I like, I want Trump, I, I voted for him, I'm voting for him again in November. I really do not want a President Joe Biden. Yeah. I, cer- I certainly don't want a President Stacey Abrams, a half <laughs> communist in, in two years, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, did not, I do not want a President Kamala Harris once Joe Biden dies, you know, God forbid. Right. But, but come on, yeah. man, like, wh- why? Like, it, it, I know a lot of Trump fans, a lot of hardcore Trumpsters, they, they're, they're saying I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a prominent writer this morning, and, and he, he's totally fine with the tweeting. He thinks it's funny. He always oh, just trolling. I like it. it's like, OK, fine, fine. Fifteen percent of the country agrees with you and 85 percent doesn't. So like, exactly. OK, like exactly. That's, that's, I don't care what you want. I don't care what you like. I, I really don't want a communist authoritarian administration next. Okay. So can we, yeah. can we keep our guy in there? Can we stop encouraging this ridiculous behavior? Not to mention, obviously the morality of it. You're or you're absolutely right. It's hurtful. It's wrong. It's just, it's wrong. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't fucking do this. And that's the thing. But just, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I mean, the, the reason 85, I'm sure that's why 85% of the country looks at this kind of stuff and they're like, you know, like, like, stop, knock it off. And I think for, you know, for, for people like the friend of yours, that, that hardcore group of Trump folks who think he's trolling, who think it's funny, whatever, like, they're not going to move, right? It doesn't matter. They're the, the could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue crowd. And he's right. Like, I think he's right about that assessment, that there's probably nothing he could do to lose those folks. But I think what's lost on him or the people close to him or whatever it is, is there's still a movable percentage out there. The reason those daily approval numbers are able to fluctuate as much as they do is there's still plenty of people. There's the, you know, the, the religious crowd out in Utah who hold their noses and voted for him in 2016, who it only takes so many of these comments where they're like, you know what, enough is enough. And that doesn't have to be a go out and vote for Biden, but it might be they stay home or it might be that they vote for third party or whatever it is. And those incremental numbers chip away like this shit matters. And I wish someone would just take him and sit him down and say, like, listen, if you want to fume against these things, if you want to be upset, be upset. Talk to whomever. Keep it off of Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let, let's talk about the never Trumpers on the right real quick. <sighs> My favorite. Um, I, obviously, with, with the whole Joe Scarborough thing, <clears throat> totally agree with them. <laughs> hey, Mr. President, <laughs> let's not do this. OK, yes, right. it's, it's very bad. No good, very bad thing to do. Yep. But, of course, the never-Trumpers, as always, have to take it 10 steps too far. Um, even people that I like. I mean, I, I'm not talking about the Jen Rubin or Max Boot. I mean, they're basically sure. just left it, leftists at this point. I, yeah, I, I haven't read anything definitely. even remotely conservative that either of them have written in, in five years, probably. <laughs> it but, hasn't existed, so yeah. But Jonah Goldberg, who who I really like and respect. I've read all his yep. books. You know, Liberal Fascism was great. Suicide of the West was great. I, I've highly recommended both of those books on the podcast before. Yep. Um. <laughs> He, he went on 
Well, back up here. I skipped a step. Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, has been doing a tremendous job uh, since she got hired a couple months ago. She's been absolutely savaging the press, putting them in their their place. It's beautiful to watch. Jonah Goldberg hates Donald Trump so much that he went on Chris Wallace's show on Fox and called the press secretary's actions. The press secretary's refusal to bend over and take it from the press. Okay. He called that, quote, indefensible and grotesque. So to Jonah Goldberg... Calling the press liars because they're liars is indefensible and grotesque. Like, dude, look, Jonah Goldberg, hate the president as much as you want. He he hates. He has a visceral, yes, just a, a hatred, like a fundamental visceral hatred of Donald Trump, which one I think is wrong to hate anybody like that. But yeah, agreed. but whatever. But like, OK, you hate Donald Trump. Never side with the press. The press is the enemy. The corporate press is the enemy of the American people. Honestly, that might even be too generous. I mean, these people are godless, soulless ghouls. I mean, they, well, I, I was going to say not to sound hyperbolic, but I'm going to sound real hyperbolic. The press's goal <laughs> is literally, and I, I, all right, I know this sounds ridiculous, but the, the press's goal is to destroy everything I love in this world. <laughs> literally, like, they are the enemy of everything I hold dear. Okay? Don't side with these monsters. Then what? Why? What, what, what did, and, and we mentioned this before we started recording. The press hates Jonah Goldberg. They, they yes. hate him. He's pro-life. Right. He's pro-property rights. He's a constitutional conservative. He wants to shrink government, and not as much as I do, but at least a little bit. Okay, the press hates yeah. him. The, the, the press hates Jonah Goldberg. Why would you side with your enemies just because orange man bad? It's infuriating. Exactly. Exactly. And I, it really does go to show, I think, as someone who similarly really respects Jonah Goldberg a whole lot, it shows how powerful I think the the, the reality of Trump and the response to Trump is at shaping and warping the views of even smart people in the world. Because when you distill everything, everything down to just what does Trump do, what does Trump think, what is Trump's take on this – you can't you can't claim any mantle of conservatism. You can't. And I say that as someone who I think has been pretty outspokenly opposed to lots of things Donald Trump has done. And as someone who sided with a lot of these people pretty early on. But the reality is if you can't if you can't see some daylight there, then you're you're just gonna get sucked into it. You're gonna be the next gen Rubin and there's no escaping the gravity of this thing. Uh, and it's it's frightening because there's only like I think people like before this comment I thought Goldberg had done a pretty good job of holding the line on this one, and if even if even he is isn't immune from it, it's I, I mean it's frightening about what the rest of the this the what's you know the remaining Never Trump movement is going to look like, and, and as a movement that I think had something to offer conservatism, right? I think the the post Trump conservatism could it use Jen Rubin, Max Boot? No, could it use Jonah Goldberg? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I worry that I another agree. couple of months or years of this, and it's it's going to be the same thing, right? You'll have people out there. Uh, well, I think. My favorite was Ruben after the after the Tara Reid allegations had had to come out before I I get her case has fallen apart. But before any of it even happened, her entire contention was that this doesn't fit with who Biden is as a person. And the onus is on Tara Reid to get up and prove it when she was saying the exact when she was saying the exact opposite 18 months before with everything with Kavanaugh. And so it's like I, I worry about the just the brain crippling impact of the Trump derangement syndrome for some of these folks who I have seen as conservative luminaries for most of my adult life. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and it's sad, too, because some of these guys were some of the most effective voices combating the left and they're not doing it right. anymore. They, they've, they've abandoned their post, Drew. 
Yeah, I mean exactly. they, they've they've walked away, they've left us hanging. We're taking grenades in the trenches, man, and they've Ex- left us hanging. Like David French, a- exactly. D- David French has been terrific for a decade on religious liberty issues. I mean, he's brilliant yeah. on those issues. He's a constitutional yeah. lawyer. He's been great on pro life issues. He's been great on all this stuff. Um, I've, I disagree with him on on, on like foreign policy and other things, but like he's sure. been terrific. And him and I share religious belief. I don't know what you believe or who, who you pray to, but like I, yeah. and David French agree on just about everything from a religious perspective. And he hasn't written anything except for his hatred of Trump for months. <laughs> it's like he's, yeah, just, and he's it abandoned his post. Exactly. Why? It's like and these we need these guys. We need these away. guys. Yes, they exactly. are, they're effective and, voices in, in fighting our legitimate political enemies, and they've left us hanging. It's, it's Exactly. Sad. And the people who have replaced place them are like the like the own the libs 22 year olds you know know. so i think what concerns me is you've got this hollowing out process where you've got people who you know you've got the you know the 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 frog abby crowd on twitter who are stepping in to replace them and they're not like they're not they're not going to match up against these people right if you if you if you want a good conservative voice to combat overreach by the aclu on religious liberty issues you want david french you want the other people like david french i'm in the same boat i mean i i i think as religious liberty is something that is a near and dear to me. I'm a, you know, an every Sunday Catholic, but also it's something that is unfortunately a battleground. Like this isn't, yes. this, this isn't something that we left in the nineties and now we're all no. hokey dory. Right. Yes. And so I think that you're seeing, if anything, the trend is in reverse and you have more people who are believers. You have more communities who want to practice more traditional religious beliefs who are under siege by, you know, be it the media or Hollywood or culture or what have you, where like there, there is a, like, we need a vanguard there. Like we need people to, to be able to mount the defenses uh, of, of the establishment of religious freedom. Um, and if it's, if it's David French and Jonah Goldberg who are instead fighting whether or not the press secretary is being kind enough to the media, like there, there is no one fighting those battles and the ACLU certainly isn't giving them up anytime soon. David French is, goes to DEFCON 1 anytime Trump tweets and will write column after column about how evil the president of the United States is for even the smallest of, I'm not talking about the Joe Scarborough stuff, which is actually pretty bad. It's just the, the, the most minor infraction you can think of. Yeah. And when, um, when the hero of religious Liberty, David French saw, uh, the pastor, it was, it was from Tennessee that his home state, that pastor who was arrested uh, while holding a church service, an outdoor yes, drive-up right. church service. Everybody was social distancing yes, in their cars. Yeah. The cops their arrest cars. the pastor and say to the pastor uh, something along the lines of, your constitutional rights have been suspended. Okay? No columns from David French. No outrage from David French. Right. The only time he addressed it on Twitter uh, was replying to a tweet, to one of his tweets, asking him about it. And he replied saying, yeah, it was a bit much. That's all the that's all a a a crusader for religious liberty can muster in the face of just communist oppression. Yeah. But anytime and, Trump opens his mouth, it's DEFCON one, burn it all down. It's like God, they, these people have lost their way. Yeah. And it's it's like a popcorn brain, right? You've got people who are focused every morning on whatever whatever trump is tweeting out and again with stuff like scarborough like i do think it is worth you know kicking up the defcon level i think i think it's worth engaging on those sorts of things but it isn't always and when you act like it's always worth doing that something that is truly atrocious like what he's saying about scarborough right now comes out and people like i've heard this before like i still don't care i still don't care what trump's tweeting and i think it loses 
it, it robs us of our sense of, of being shocked and appalled at things that are shocking and appalling. Um, because if the people who are telling you something is shocking and appalling are crying wolf, you know, six days out of the week, then on the seventh one, you're probably not listening. Um, and I just worry it's so easy to get in the quagmire of those battlegrounds and to be stuck day in and day out of being reactive to what Donald Trump is doing and saying. And I'm not saying you can ignore the leader of the free world and what he says. That's important. But you got to be able at, at some level. And I think this is to me where the never Trumpers have really have really aired. You've got to be able to carry on with everyday life. It's like coronavirus in a way like you've got to be able to keep the things that are important humming and going in those conversations and discussions and battles have to keep happening. And as soon as they stop, it's like you're you're lo you're losing ground as soon as they stop. And it's only our side, it seems lately, that is stopping on those battles. One more thing before we move on, because um, we're running out of time. But one more thing. It, it was funny going back to the Jonah Goldberg interview on, on Chris Wallace's show. Uh, both Chris Wallace and Jonah were were basically saying they, they really hate this press secretary because she fights back against the press. And they just want it to go back to the good old days when press secretaries didn't fight back against the press. <sighs> Which is right. very weird. So, like, you wanna you wanna go back to the the good old days when Mitt Romney's called a Nazi and he doesn't respond, or how about when John <laughs> McCain's called a Nazi and he doesn't respond, or how about when yeah. George Bush was called a Nazi and a war criminal and didn't respond, or how about Ronald? I mean, I'm pretty sure Chris Wallace and and Jonah Goldberg both have statues of Ronald Reagan in their homes. How about how about yeah. the good old days when Ronald Reagan is called a mentally handicapped Hitler warmonger? idiot actor by the press and the press right. secretary didn't respond <laughs> right. like what how, how, what what yeah i wish kaylee mcenany could go back days? in time and savage these godless monsters in the press back in the 80s my goodness like we we've needed somebody like her yeah not, not hard in the eyes either i'm a fan <laughs> anyway okay fair. So, very fair right. and you, got, you let... gotta assume that 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 drives some of it too it's like what are these good old days of the press they're talking about They've been the propaganda arm of the like. Okay, they're the we all know they're the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party, and Jonah Goldberg wants to go back to the good old days when they were still the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party, but we didn't do anything about it. Like what? Like how right. is that strategically speaking? How is that a good idea? Yeah, because they still shape public opinion, right? Like a, you can either lay down and die the way I think Republicans have done for a really, really long time. Um, or you can stop doing that and miss in the other direction. And I think it's on us, it's on conservatives to hold people like Trump and McKinney and everybody else accountable when they do miss. But if you stop taking those swings, um, it isn't as if the media is going to back down, right? Like the, the gotcha questions, the joke that the daily press briefings had become uh, when, you know, when you've got the, the outsiders of the world getting up and asking questions that they're they're asking to hear themselves talk and to further their narrative like those are going to keep going um and i think a, a dose of cold water on those has been helpful one and two like i think it's it hopefully has knocked the scales off of some people's eyes about like what like what actually happens in these briefings and how these conversations actually go and how this coverage turns a slant absolutely correct absolutely correct so obviously uh we have to mention uh this horrifying case um once again of murder by cop uh, this time in Minnesota, an unarmed black man, George Floyd, uh, was murdered by a police officer. The cop held him down, uh, put his knee on Floyd's throat until he died. Uh, bystanders were, were, were trying to get the cop off him. They were trying to get the cop to stop, and he refused. Um, the officers involved were fired, and uh, good Lord willing, they will be prosecuted and sent to prison forever. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the, the officer that murdered Floyd, hopefully he gets life. Um, and then, obviously, there's three other officers on scene. They're complicit. They should obviously... Uh, 
you know, you can't charge them with first-degree murder, but hopefully they're charged with something, manslaughter yep. or something like that, and put away for a long time. Um, we'll, we'll get into it, man, but these things keep happening, and it's really hard for cop fans, a lot of them are on the right, uh, to make the yep. whole, you know, it, oh, it's just a few bad apples. It, it's hard exactly. to make the few bad apples case when unarmed black men are dying like this pretty consistently. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, if you can if, if you can run a very similar video in Minneapolis, in New York, in California, in Texas, in Louisiana and everywhere else, like you've got it. This is what kills me. I think that we I think one of the things that I've I've thought for a very long time and try to repeat sometimes into the void is is that I think conservatives have too often our head in the sand on issues of race. And I think this is another one. Right. Like if you if, if a conservative can look me in the eye and with a straight face, tell me that. Um, a black man who is accused of using a fake $20 bill, because that's why he was stopped. He's accused of using a fake $20 bill at a corner store. And if you can tell me that there's a world where an African-American man is run down by the police, supposedly for using a fake $20 bill, and ends up dead, and that that is a situation that is totally absent race. Um, like, I've, I've got a bridge to sell you, and, and God knows where. You know, like, it's 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 stunning to me that these things keep happening happening they keep happening to young unarmed black men and so many conservatives are unwilling to draw any any connection and any parallels when the parallels at least to, i think to those who are looking for them seem pretty obvious yeah i mean it, i don't think it's you can really make a case against that at this point i, I mean, obviously the, the the black lives matter crowd do take it too far i mean they they go the yep. whole you know we want dead cops now, all those chants and stuff like that. Obviously it's not all cops, blah, 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 blah. We all know the the typical disclaimers, but yeah, I mean, if if you can't, (laughs) come on, man. I just, I I haven't, I I haven't seen a video, a comparable video with a white guy. Okay. And and maybe, and you would think given the numbers, like you think the fact in this country, you you think the fact that, you know, the country's what 59, 60% white and everybody has a camera in their pocket. You'd see a video, uh, you know, yeah, I haven't seen one. Um, exactly. And, and, and look, right. man, I, I don't care. And that, that's ridiculous. The reason that he was being arrested in the first place, you just let the guy go for goodness sakes. It's no big yeah. deal. But I mean, I don't care if the guy just shot up an orphanage. I mean, <laughs> cops don't get to hold a man down by the throat with their knee until they die. That's not how we do yeah. business in Western civilization. I don't know how they do it in other cultures in the United States of America. That's not how things are done. I don't care if the guy was a serial killer. You, you can't just yeah. kill a man. That's, that's exactly. not, and it just, it drives me crazy because whether, you know, I'd say 90, there are some leftists that listen to the show. I mean, kudos to you guys. I don't know how you've hang in, hung in this long, but <laughs> like most people listening to the show are either a conservative or a libertarian or at least, you know, right leaning or yep. however you describe yourself. So whether you're a conservative or a libertarian, you want the federal government, you want the size and scope of the state to be smaller than it is now. Okay. Even if you're a moderate Republican, you still want the government to be smaller than it is now. Right. So how do these people that are that are supposed to be advocates for small government turn into bootlicking statists when it comes to cops? It's like how how do a lot of people on the right just give cops a free pass, do whatever they want? It's disgusting. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I think what what just kills me is if you are someone who is concerned about about the state and what it's doing, why would anything give you more pause or more concern than the agents of the state who get to carry guns and perhaps can take your life away without a valid reason and won't be held accountable? Like this, this should be like, I, I just, I wish conservatives were more clear right about this. Like how can George Floyd be said to be enjoying any measure of freedom if he can go out, get stopped by the police and never come home to his family for a, okay. mi- a terribly minor infraction that may not have even happened? 
this like, needs that's to like, stop. What? This needs to stop. It I mean, it, it, th- these things can't keep happening, man. It's gonna they, tear. They the, it's gonna tear the country apart. And I, exactly. Like, and that's the thing. Obviously, race is an issue here. And and it's. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what was in this guy's head. I don't know if he was just a power hungry cop. If he was a racist cop, I, I don't know. But obviously, race does play an element here. Um, as do you know in, in most of these cases. But it's also a state issue too. Like it is a authoritarian issue. Like I want a government so yeah. small that no cop in the country feels they can get away with something like this. So many of them have, I want the government to be so small that cops know they can't get away with this. And I want the American public to be armed to the teeth. So these cops know if they try to take someone's life, they will get their head blown off. Okay. Buy guns, shrink the state. That's the answer. And to me, so much of the problem. Yeah, I I, I'm right there with you. I totally agree with you. But, and like, to me, so much of it is like, if you, you know, if, I can't imagine these things would happen if police officers around the country and police departments, so much of it's just, a, to me, a cultural change. Like, as right. soon as they stop seeing themselves as invincible, be that because they're taking on an armed citizenry or because the law is going to is going to come after them when they're violating someone's liberties and someone's freedoms, like, y- y- we've got to stop. We've got to start pushing in that direction, and we need to stop being, I think, so deferential to police officers. And I get it, right? Like, I, I've got family members who are police officers uh, who are in... Uh, uh, like you know, one I've got a cousin who is a detective in New York City, right? A very dangerous place to be a detective, yes. surely. And he's been yes. that way for a long time, right? And like he gets it. I think he's, he's clear-eyed about it. But I think we've got to get past this mentality that something happens, um, a black man ends up dead, and we're, we should be poking around to figure out, like, well, well, how? Like, are we sure we really understand? We couldn't put ourselves in the minds of a police officer. And again, getting back to David French, this is something he has done exceptionally well. He's had a couple articles. I'm trying to remember the name of it um, in the National Review about how. Now, there is like the police officers also have a duty to uphold and they are so they have a they have unique powers in our society because they also have unique responsibilities in our society to carry themselves in a certain way. Yes. And I would like to see in America where no black man has to walk out his front door and pray that he doesn't run into a police officer who's in a bad mood and thinks that he can take it out on him and yes. who might who, who might not come home to his family at the end of the day. I mean, it's it's gall. It's it's shocking. It's galling. And I think for me, so much of it, so much of the cultural change that needs to happen is more conservatives need to start seeing the wide, wide amount of daylight between being entirely blue lives matter and black lives matter, right? Like I'm not condoning the things that they say, the things that they do, but I think what more more conservatives need to wake up to is they are motivated by a frustration and an animus that is built up over decades with good reason. And that even if you don't want to agree with some of that mentality, even if you want to pick fights about some of what they're saying in terms of critical race theory or structural racism or whatever, you've got to be able to look at what's animating them and say, you know what, there's a great point. If I had seen people who look just like me on the news every couple of days being killed for no good reason because they were because they were illegally selling cigarettes or because they were potentially using a counterfeit bill, I would be real mad too. And I worry that conservatives aren't always particularly, you know, unfortunately, particularly white conservatives aren't necessarily empathetic enough to the position that a lot of young black men find themselves in, um, particularly when the person on the other side is a white guy with a gun. Another thing that I've said before, and I've gotten a ton of flack, but it's the truth, so I'll say it again. Deal with it, people. It's my show. I can say whatever I want. But um, (laughs) the thing is, there are going to be more, a a much higher percentage of bad cops than there are bad truck drivers or bad podcasters or bad whatever. Yeah. Okay? There just will. And it's the same reason there's going to be a higher percentage of bad humans that go into politics. You know, if, if you... I don't know how many people are just evil in this world. I don't know the percentage on it. You know, if, if there's a 
if there's a hundred people in a room, I, I have to assume five of them are just evil bastards, probably. You know, maybe five yeah. percent. In among politicians, among police officers, that number is going to be higher. It, it's just going to be higher because for yeah. you to choose, for you to freely choose a profession where you wield power over your neighbors, yeah. okay, where you wield power over your community, that is going to attract a lot of horrible, horrible people. It's going to attract yes. some great people that just want to serve their communities. They just want to get elected so they can fix the roads. They just want to get elected so they can help, you know, they can help lower taxes. They can, you know, they, they yes. just want to serve. They want to, you know, keep crime out of their community. They want to, you know, save people's lives. They want to save women from domestic violence. All, all these things. Yes. It's going to attract those yep. people and it's going to attract the madmen who want yes. to wield power over their communities. And that attracts a lot of messed up people. So this whole, oh, it's just a few cops. I don't think so, brother. I do yeah. not think so. I think it's a troubling percentage of police officers, not all of them, but a much like, and it's, it's hard for a lot of, a lot of people don't think that way. They think, well, look, yep. I, I, I know 5,000 people and only a handful of them are, are awful. Okay. Yeah, I get that. But a lot of them are farmers and, or whatever, like just the percentage is going to be higher uh, yeah. in a profession like law enforcement. And it, that's exactly. an uncomfortable truth, but it's true. It is right. Exactly. It, it's a very uncomfortable truth. Right. And I think it, it grinds at the conservative mentality, which I think is usually a good one that like right. when people are uh, be it police officers, men and women in uniform, that people who are taking on risks um, should be owed a debt for for taking on risks that you and I don't have to because we get to share society with people who are willing to take on the risks. And I agree. And I totally get that. Um, and so I get why this mentality kind of grinds a little bit uh, and, and causes some cognitive dissonance with folks. But you're spot on. You're entirely right and so i think until until conservatives can start getting a little more clear-eyed about that um it's it's going to be really really hard to forward on on any of these issues tied to, to you know abuses of police officers particularly insofar as they're connected to race absolutely yeah i, I couldn't have said it better um yeah rest in peace to george floyd hopefully there's justice hopefully these cops go to jail for a long long time uh man we just yep. ended the show on a horrible note <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have you back on, man, and hopefully uh, we can have we have some cheerier topics to talk about next time. But, Drew, before I let you go, where can everybody follow you online? Uh, where can everybody uh, read your stuff and keep in touch and all that stuff? Awesome. Hey, appreciate it, Brady. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I, I would love to come back. <laughs> hopefully we've got some happy news to talk about. But um, best place to catch me, uh, honestly, unfortunately, is usually Twitter. Uh, it's Drew, Drew Holden 360 is my at. Um, I do threads. I do commentary. I do things like that. And then also, um, so I do, you know, I write for a number of different outlets from time to time. I'm a regular resurgent. So you can catch me there as well. All right. Everybody follow Drew. He is great. Definitely check out his work. Uh, he's a tremendous writer. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. <laughs>